We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Right, here's a question to start you off today. Um, if we had a scale of 0 to 10, and 0 is, um, you know, a challenge comes your way and it really rocks your world. Like, you, you don't cope with change very well at all. Actually, when you walked in today and saw the chairs laid out differently, you had it, you know, you, you kind of went, oh my goodness, how will I cope with this, you know? So that's one end of the scale, you know, you're down sort of maybe a, a one or a two, you know, you can't handle change, don't like challenges, you know, like everything, to life to just stay normal and okay and everything good. And then at the other end of the stream, let's say 10, is, you know, a, a new challenge, especially a bad thing that might happen in your life, you know, a big event that happens in your life, like we've had a few of those in Christchurch through the years, you know, and you see a challenge come your way and you just go, oh, bring it on, you know, this is great, you know, what a, this, is, this is awesome, what a new opportunity, this is going to be great. So where, where are you on that scale? Now, you, you don't, this is rhetorical, okay, you don't have to answer the back door, I'm not going to get a show of hands, but just think about it today, how resilient are you, to the challenges of life. James chapter 1 verse 2 says this, and I just realised, Joel, I may not have given you the scriptures in the order that I gave them to you, so I thank you, well done. Uh, James chapter 1 verse 2 says this, consider it pure joy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think your reaction is much the same as mine to that one. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials... Of many kinds. Now I don't know where you're at on that scale, but I'm not at ten. Okay, I'm not. At, I'm probably above five. But when a big challenge comes my way, I don't go, "Oh, how joyous this is! This is great!" You know, I need a bit of a bit of, a bit more of God's help to come to that point. I think. So, so how do we respond? How do we get to that place? How do we move up the scale? A little bit, because we all live with a lot of pressure in our lives. Is that true? Well, most of us do. There's, there's a lot of pressure in our lives. And one of those pressures, let's just look at one of those pressures this week, and we'll look at other pressures in, as the weeks go by. But one of the pressures we face is the expectations that people around us put on us. Now, some of those expectations are reasonable. You go to work and your boss expects you to do a certain, um, you know, a good quality standard to your job. You know, that, that's a reasonable expectation. But there are a lot of expectations on us of who we are and what we are to be like from social media, from friends, from family. And, and that's, that's a pressure that we all have. And it's a pressure that Jesus had as well by the way. He wasn't immune to that sort of pressure. Imagine being Jesus, just by the way, you know, here on earth, and you do a few miracles, and all of a sudden everyone hears about it, and there's a pressure every day to do these miracles, every day come up with this amazing pearl of wisdom that's going to change your life. Now you might say, oh yeah, but he was Jesus, you know, he was the son of God, he could do that, but yeah, just appreciate for a moment that he was also human. You know, there was, there was limitations physically, emotionally, mentally to what he could do. But there was this pressure on him all the time. 
And not only that, the pressure to do good. There was this group of people called the Pharisees, religious people, church people, if you like, who were going around going, who do you think you are? You know, you're not the son of God. What? You know, no way. And they constantly challenged him. And one of those examples is in John chapter 5, where they're challenging who he is. And Jesus responds this way. John chapter 5, uh, verse 31, it says this. Jesus, in response to them going, well, who do you think you are? He says this. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another one who testifies in my favour, and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. In other words, they've asked John the Baptist, well, who is this guy? And John the Baptist has testified that he's the son of God. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was the lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have a testimony weightier than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe in the one he sent. Well, that is just a bit, you know, pretty direct of Jesus there. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept the glory from human beings. Now, what is Jesus saying there? It's a bit of a complicated passage. Let me just pull out the essence of what Jesus is saying in this passage in response to the Pharisees. He's basically saying this, I'm not living for your approval. I'm not living for the glory of man, of what man is going to tell me who I am or get the praise from other people. I know who I am and what I'm called to do. I know that in myself. I don't need your approval. The only approval I seek is God, and I know he is all good with what I'm doing, so I'm going to just stick with that. I'm going to just stick with the Father's opinion of me. Now, You might be thinking, where did Jesus get this inner sense of strength and security, this inner resilience from? Well, we read in Matthew chapter 3, 16, these words. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. In him I am well pleased. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We don't know up to this point how aware Jesus was of his sonship, his calling, his relationship with God. But we can be really confident from this point on, he was very clear on who he was. He was very clear that he had a close relationship with his father and his father had called him to a mission and he was going to fulfill that mission. And from then on, Jesus chooses to tune in to the voice of his father rather than listen to all the other voices. 
Whose voice are you listening to? Now, you might be saying, oh, that's fine, you know, uh, uh, but hang on. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had to try and protect the microphone, otherwise you're going to hear all that. Um, the, when you were baptised, you may not have heard a voice from heaven saying, you know, this is my son whom I love, I'm well pleased, so, hey, doesn't it make sense that I don't have that security that Jesus has? But listen to these words from Romans chapter 8, verse 15, says this, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you are in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption as or adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Dad, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are ears, ears of God and co-ears with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we also may share in his glory. Christ on the cross purchased your co-inheritance as sonship. Now, this, this may sound a bit radical to you, but wrap your head around this truth. That when your heavenly Father, when God looks at you, he values you, he looks at you the same as he does Jesus because the life of Jesus is upon you. If you've given your life to Christ, right? This is just work through the theology here. If you have given your life to Christ, you've repented of your sin, his spirit has been poured out into your heart, you've been adopted into his family. When he sees you, it's like he sees Jesus. When he sees Mike Carruthers, he goes, that, that, that's, that's, that's my child. When he sees Claire Onslow, he goes, there's Claire, that's, that's, that's my kid. She's awesome. I love her. It's awesome. So we can, it's like we are receiving, these, what Paul is trying to get at here is that we need to internalize those same words that Jesus did. This is my son. Oh, if you, you can replace it with daughter if you like. This is my son, this is my daughter, whom I love. With him, with, him, with the, her, with them, I am well pleased. God is well pleased with you today. Now you might be thinking, well I'm not that worthy of being well pleased by God, but it's not because of what you've done, it's because of what Jesus has done for you. We live in that grace. And you may be here today and you're going, man, I... Really? I, I didn't know that that was available. I'll talk a little bit more about this later on, but if you're here today and you don't know that grace, you're not aware that the God who created you, loves you, has a purpose for you, wants to adopt you into his family. He is completely there for you. But in order to receive that life, you have to give up your life in order to take hold of his life. And that's something that you can do today. That's why Jesus died for you on the cross. Actually, Jonty, could you just grab me a glass of water? That would be great. Thank you. So don't leave here today without making that decision, without making that step to come to know him because he has a purpose for your life. He has a life there for you. Actually, Colossians 1 says this, once you were alienated from God, once you were an enemy of God in your minds because of your evil behavior, 
And we're all in that category. We all did that. We all went our own way. We all sinned. There's no perfect people in the world. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you, what? Holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. In other words, you stand in Christ completely cleansed, completely holy, completely righteous. That's the gospel. Isn't that awesome? That's, that's what we can enter into. Thank you. And the point that Paul is making here in Romans 8 is this. God wants you to courageously believe in who he says you are. That's the point. If you don't get anything else out of today, get this, that God wants you to confidently believe in who he's created you to be. And put your roots down into that. Put your faith into that. Push down into that. Why? Because when you, when you do that, a bit like this tree on the, on the image here, you see, I, we deliberately chose that, so you could see that tap root that goes down, that main root that all the other roots grow off. What is that for the Christian? You know, if, if, if the tree on top of the ground represents, you know, externally our lives, our relationships that are around us, all the things that we do in our day, what's beneath the surface? Our spirit, our thinking, the, 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 our minds, what's going on? What's the, what's the voice doing in our heads? Well, one of those main voices needs to be that you're my child, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Because when we know our identity, when we know our purpose, when we know who God's called us to be, we can push back on those challenges where people go, yeah. I don't know about that. Because you'll get that. You know, we live in a world where people are insecure about themselves and so they project that insecurity onto us. And and we need to have that pushback. We need to stay strong. But where are we going to get the resources to do that from? If you haven't got Christ, all that you do, the, the resource you look for is in other people and go, well, if I get enough likes on social media, then maybe I'm okay, you know? Or if I've got enough friends that call me up or contact me, then maybe I'm okay. Or maybe I, I get this degree or this prize in sport or whatever it is, then, then maybe then I'll, I'll feel better about myself. But all of those things will only be temporary in our life unless we dig down into who God's actually called us to be. Unless we actually anchor our lives where it's meant to be which is in Christ. It doesn't matter what our past has been. Because you know, some of you might go, yeah, but hang on, you, you don't appreciate that, that God won't love me because of the, the mistakes that I've made. But God has paid the price for all of that and exchanged his life for, for your sins so that his righteousness could be poured into you. You are unconditionally loved by God. You are completely forgiven by him. You are, you are completely set free of your sin. You are, your contribution is significant to him. To the point where he looks down and he says, my child who I love, with you I am well pleased. 
And we need to also be, a, be aware that we have an enemy, right? And when you think about it, if, if you were trying to... Let's not imagine that you're Satan. We, we, we quite won't go down that track. But you can appreciate that if Satan has a scheme of going, hey, I need to pull down the Christians in the world, which he does. He is out to get us. We don't, let's, the Bible's very clear on that. We need to, we are in a fight against an enemy, a spiritual enemy in our lives. And he wants to rob us of this truth of who we are in Christ. It's one of his his most effective weapons, if, if, if he can sow doubt and challenge in your mind that going, hey, yeah, I know, that, I know that preacher's saying that and I know other Christians say that, but you know, come on, you, do you know what you've done? Really, does God, would God love you? And when you start doubting that, what happens is you'll try and prove yourself to God, you'll try and prove yourself to others. You might try and you know be this goody two shoes when you come to church because you think everyone's kind of watching you. You, you. you go to work and you're trying harder, and and you're doing all this work to try and prove yourself, so that someone will say you're okay. What about rather than playing the game that the world plays, you just go, I'm not playing anymore. I'm out of the game. That's what Jesus did. He says, I'm not playing your game. I'm not going to you know, get into this debate with you Pharisees about who I am. I know who I am. I know who God's called me to be. I, and I'm just sticking with that and, and grounding our confidence in that. Imagine if you could live with that amount of confidence. Would it change your life? Would it change how you interact with other people? Would it change how you respond to criticism that comes your way? Uh, I trust me, it, it would. I, I'm sure it would. Uh, for me, uh, a number of years ago now, um, I there was a, a, a group of people, in the, and I can talk about this, uh, and some of you will be even aware of it. Um, there was a group of people in the church that was upset with a decision that um, I was a part of. I was. Uh, it was a team decision, but I... Uh, I was the face of that decision that was made at the time, and um, that was that was a really difficult time um, because um, there were people in the church that really didn't like me, um, and you know us pastors we'd like to know you, you know we'd like to go we're so secure in Christ that we just stand up every, every day and if you criticise us ah oh, water off a duck's back it's all good, but the reality is. We like to be liked, okay? We, we, we actually like you to like us, you know? Um, and I know that not everyone here might like me, but, you know, we do our best. I do my best, you know? And, and you know, it is hard, you know, at, at the end of the day, if someone's had a real go at you to, to go home and go, yeah, it's all good, doesn't matter, you know? Um, it, it actually really, really hurts. And um, some people who are really close to me, know how much that hurt. And there were some other people also on that team, I appreciate that, were um, very hurt through this whole situation as well. We did our very best to uh, mediate. We did our very best to talk through the situation. Um, and in some ways, uh, you know, we had to come to a place where we, we were comfortable in the decision that we made and comfortable in what God had called us to do and agree to dis disagree with some people. And that's tough. 
let's just be honest, you go through some difficult challenges like that in life where you go, wow, you know, this is emotionally, physically and mentally draining. It's, it's, it's tough. Um, and you, you're looking for that resilience. And it's only because of some good people who around me that supported me at the time, but also because of this truth that I, I had to dig deep in my faith and go, God, I need to know here. I need to know that you've got my back. You know, like, I need to know I'm on the right track here. Like, and if I'm not, then please show me. Then please humble me. Please reveal to me what I need to do. But help me, help me put my confidence in your opinion of me, not other people's opinion of me. And that, that, was, that was, it was a good, it was good to go through. I, I now see what James was talking about when he goes, consider it pure joy. Trust me, when I was going through that, uh, it didn't feel like pure joy. But, but now I look back and I go, yeah, there was a joy about learning a lesson that I needed to learn that I can't keep everybody happy. You're not going to keep everybody happy. And if you're living your life trying to keep everyone happy, yeah, good luck with that. It's not going to go well for you. Even if you're living your life going, well, as long as I keep some people happy and they think I'm okay with then that's okay. No, no, no. Find your security in Christ. You're his child who he loves. With you, he is well pleased. Actually, I, I'm coming to see that Christians, we ought to be the most resilient people out there. When you think about it, we should be. We, have, we, we should have deeper roots in our inner life that strengthen us so that when we're going through those difficulties, and those difficulties will come, if you're in a period of your life where it's just all sweet and rosy, well, that's great. Take the time now to build those roots because trials will come, storms will come, right? And when the storms come and batter that tree above the ground, that tree wants to have some really good roots down in there. How well you cope with the storms of life is going to be very dependent on those Roots that you build in Christ, those roots that you put down in Christ and knowing who you are in Christ. And this is a big one. Who you are and what, whether other people's opinion of you really matters. Don't you wish, you look back at your life and especially when you're young, you go, oh man, I wish I knew this truth when I was younger. Because you know? when we're younger, we so search for this. We had a, a guy in our church some years ago. He's, he's, he's not here now. He lives up in Auckland. But um, uh, he, he lost his wife very suddenly to a brain aneurysm. And some of you will know who I'm talking about. And um, I was talking to him uh, a few weeks later and just, you know, what do you say? Like, you just, like, it's just absolutely tragic. It's, um, it's hard to find words to console people who are going through... Um, huge grief like that. And he said to me, look, Warren, this is, it, it, it is tragic. You know, I was really close to my wife. We had a wonderful marriage for many years and, and, and I can't see what the journey ahead looks like for now. But um, 
I'll tell you what God said to me the other day, and he was walking through Hagley Park, and, and God just downloaded um, some things into his heart that just anchored his soul again and gave him his, the, the perspective on life. And he was able to just release his wife into eternity and see that God was still had a, a plan and a purpose for the rest of his life. And I came away from, you know, I was the pastor going into this conversation going, I, I've got to go help this guy. I came away going, oh my goodness, I've just been so ministered to. <laughs> it was so powerful that he, just the, the resilience that this guy had in his life and um, the, what he, how he heard from God and how that just anchored his faith and, and secured him and, and showed that deep root that he had in his life, it was just so powerful. And, and my encouragement for everyone here today is to put those roots down deep. That, that's where we're going over the next few weeks, to, to put those roots deep down in Christ. And this one of who you are and what you're called to do is so important to get right because it's, it's kind of the one that, that God builds other things on. And it will be an example to those around you that people will watch you go through some difficult stuff and they'll be watching going, okay, how are you going to cope with this one? And if you cope with it well, they're going to go, oh, that's amazing. What have you got? And then you can share what you've got with them. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org. 